and fulfilling life's purposes. Dr. Hayes, how are you doing today? Doing good. How about you, Dr. Cooper? I'm doing just great. Today is uh, October the 11th, 2023. Uh, We have a station identification break or a special podcast series for today to to, um, just provoke some critical thinking and um and and so here we are October the 11th 2023 it is um here's let's just start so one of the things that i have uh you know as a sociologist a theo sociologist let me just say this i'm a theologian i'm a sociologist multiplicity of hats I'm a Negro that know a whole lot, don't know much about anything, but I, I pay attention. And so I just want to, I want to talk about propaganda and yellow journalism. These were the tools that um, this egomaniacal leader used. Uh, his name was Hitler. And, and one of the things, and I'm not opining, but one of the things that I believe that uh, was was interesting is that Hitler studied the United States, um, studied the United States in such a way that he used the eugenics research of Harvard University professors, and he looked at the subjugation of the enslaved or newly emancipated Negro in the United States to create this system of of eradicating or genocide a whole group of people and and we call that the holocaust and so here we have now we're fast forwarding just giving that giving that to you and and the united states um united states history is so as this colonized nation that brought on the the ways of their oppressors the colonized nation of the United States, the 13 original colonies of British brought on that system of oppression from what they were under. So those who came on the Mayflower were really your ex-prisoners and your indentured servants, and, and they were subjected under the tyranny of the monarchy. And so here we are. I'm, I'm giving this little background because I know it's a, a bird walk, but it's going to make sense in a minute. So now we get this where we are today. And one of the things that I do know is that when when nations are experiencing, and this is historical, when nations are experiencing economic uncertainty or there is a disfavorable um, polling of its leaders, some of the rhetoric that takes place really stems around, let's fight. We, we got to fight. We got to get this out because, you know, if I can maintain my position of power as this this incredible machismo leader exerting all the testosterone that I have in me to say we're going to play these little war games. If I can just see myself as the savior and the liberator of my people at the expense of the most vulnerable, then I know I can maintain my position. So I say all that to say. Everybody now is understanding the, the, the statehood of Israel from its historical context from 1947 when President Truman was the president of the United States and, and parsed out some land, carved out 
to give Israel a piece of the a statehood, if you will. The, the Jewish nation really wanted Poland as their homestead really wanted Poland as their homestead, but that didn't happen because that kind of upset Hitler a little bit. But anyway, I digress. So here we have now under president Truman, 1947. Then we had this little war that went on in 1948. And then we can successively talk about these wars, but historically the Gaza strip has been a disputed territory for thousands of years who are the rightful heirs of God's promises the Abrahamic promises Abrahamic children included Ishmael it included Isaac and it included Keturah's kids Ishmael the patriarch of Islam Isaac the patriarch that would lead us to the Edomites the Hittites the Jebusites the Pezzarites and Jacob whose name changes to Israel that literally means wrestle with God and from Jacob we get Judah we get the 12 tribes Judah Manasseh Ephraim, Naphtali, Dan, you name it, okay? And these lands were named after the progeny of, of Jacob and Esau because where they landed was named for them. Okay, so then we get this whole idea of who, and then Keturah's sons, that they're the patriarchs of Hinduism and Buddhism. Okay, so all of the faith traditions can point to Abraham as their patriarch the father of the nations so everybody's fighting against their double first cousins their siblings etc so it makes no sense so so now we get to this place in 2023 just a few months ago uh netanyahu who is the prime minister of israel netanyahu's favorability in the polls in israel was like hovering around 30%. Okay, so there was an opposition leader. His name was Benny. I can't remember the last name, but anybody listening, they can Google it. The opposition leader named Benny was rising up favorably. So guess what? In May of 2023, there was a five-day airstrike on the Gaza Strip. There was this bombing of a holy temple. Now these were not the rules of war. When you bomb a holy temple, a mosque. Okay. So I'm saying the provocation and the, um, the retaliation, if you will, how do we get here? I'm just, I'm just stating the facts, wanting to look at the history. Did Netanyahu create this? And is Hamas now being demonized? Because Hamas's whole role was to protect the Gaza Strip. Now we got Herzbollah in Lebanon. These two are two different branches of Islam. Sunni Islam and Shia Islam. Totally two different branches. And they were protectors of their people and the land. So, so if I am a leader... And I engage in wanting to maintain my position of power. What am I going to do? So how does this make sense with what Hitler did? Here this man comes to power with yellow journalism and propaganda. And and people really believe. And I say this in my class when I teach uh, about compassion and altruism. Were those who aligned with Hitler seen as effective altruists because after all they were doing what their leader asked them to do 
they had no idea really in the greater scheme of thing when you're trying to build a national identity, a nation state, you're doing what your leader has asked you to do. You're following the leader, right? So then we saw this play out on January 6th, 2021. Folks were following the leader and still to this day don't even realize that their leader was leading them astray. Now we get to 2023. We have, and I'm not saying anything. I just wonder really what is the story behind the story. And it's so easy for us to vilify a group of people because of our xenophobia. And we don't understand the differences. And so we're going to, we're going to say and call all of these people, uh, they're just a bunch of terrorists and their brutality. And Dr. Hayes, I came for the life of me, not remember the photos that I've seen in the African-American Museum of the Smithsonian in D.C. and the things that were in textbooks, the stuff that I teach, seeing KKK carved in a man's chest and watching these lynch mobs have lynching parties after service. And if that's not brutal, I don't know what is. So it's like, y'all forgot your history. Is that why we want to revise the history? It's easy to say this is brutal. But I want to cuss so bad, but I'm going to try not to right now. It might come, and I know I got better words. But when we talk about child sacrifices, when when you can not do anything, when a whole classroom of kids get slaughtered, in cold blood. How is that any different than seeing a terrorist group do the same thing? And who is controlling the stories? Are we being, because we don't like to critically think, we want somebody to tell us what to, what to say, how to say, what to do, when to do, how to feel. Well, where's the collective outrage? That's, that's the whole point. That, that when, when it's, you know, violence on us perpetrated in our country, there's sort of a muted, you know, response to it as though as though it were some kind of isolated event. And then because nothing ever comes of it and nothing is really done significantly about it, then it then it continues to reoccur. And we continue to respond in the same way. Oh, it's off. Oh, it's off. And then in a few days, it's back to business as usual. But there's no collective outrage like it's going on this week where there's continuous all day long coverage and local coverage to see the destruction and the damage that has been done. just like uh, Emmett Till's mother said, no, I want people to see what they did. I think that's probably how we should have responded, that somebody should see what human beings who call themselves Americans actually did to fellow Americans. And um, we're willing to do that for something that occurs somewhere else outside our backyard. Yeah, somewhere else. But I, I, I am acutely aware 
that there's a lack of collective rage about all the uh, tyrannical things that happened in this country and we try to bury it and act like it was an isolated event and it really doesn't affect who we are. That's not who we are. It is who we are. It's part of our collective identity. As you say, it's historical. You know, they didn't have any problem beating and killing people who were brought to this country, not voluntarily, but on over the brutality of ships, layer upon layer of human beings, some of whom committed suicide, jumped overboard, others who just toughed it out and finally made it to find that there's only more brutality waiting for them on the shores of, of, of America. It's a story that needs to be told over and over again, just like the Holocaust, over and over and over again so that nobody forgets and so that nobody misses knowing what the real history is. So I... um. You know, it's so complicated, uh, but again, it's, it all stems from this identity of who really controls God and who are the rightful heirs of God's promises, not seeing all of us, humankind, as the rightful heirs of God's promises of love and peace. And, and and I don't even know how you can think that we are not all in this together. Because if I hurt, we all should hurt. If you hurt, I should also feel your pain. And this geopolitics that we have divided and, and are trying to conquer, it is so old and outdated. And I really wish that um, God's will to be done. Well, every time, every time there seems to be um, an advance in the human race in terms of how we look at each other and how we feel about each other and how we authenticate and reinforce the dignity and humanity of all, there's always this little underlying element that wants to control everything. It's really, um, that really want to be gods. And um, they want to establish their own ethic of behavior, which, which relegates some to a lesser position while others get to be uh, over everything or in charge of everything, or they're the only ones smart enough to run it. And then the other people become pawns, tools, workforces. I hate that word workforce. <laughs> because it is the workforce that puts in the hard labor, makes the sacrifices, creates income and wealth who never received their fair share for the work that they have put in. And this is, this is, this is a system that is old as dirt. 
if we can manage to fool people into thinking that we're the only ones smart enough to control this thing, and just like you said, become the leaders, then everybody else follows the leader. And that became, that dictates the tenor of everything that happens. But leadership is ordained of God. So what do we do with this? It's a dilemma because leadership is in position to enforce the will of God. But the minute somebody reaches that leadership position, they begin to want to be God. And there we have it. And and you had mentioned you had mentioned something and I want to just lean in on your word that you use. It dictates. And when it dictates, then we have a dictator. And and it negates this whole uh, servant leadership model where there's shared governance, where we we come together, um, and 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 the whole essence of a democracy is the power of people coming together to make a difference for all. But I also want to just um, add this as a thought: as we are are one of the things that I find amazing is that there's so much circulating. Uh, on social media and in the media in general about being pro-Israel. And and somehow that has meant that you're pro-Jews. But I want to just say, or if you're pro-Palestine, you're anti-Semitic. Well, the Shemites were part of the descendants of Noah. The Shemites were the Hamites' relatives because Ham, Sham, and Jephthah were descendants of Noah. Right. And so we're all in here together. And Shemites is the alliteration, transliteration to the word Semites in the Semitic region. But I want to say that in in the state of Israel that we know it today, there are Israeli Jews, Israeli Christians and Israeli Muslims. So we can be pro-Israel and be inclusive of the monotheistic and the pantheistic traditions, not at the exclusion of a dominant group, but at the inclusion of the greater humanity. So I don't even understand. It's pro-Israeli leadership, i.e. government officials. If we're pro-Israel, then that means that we line up with whoever's in control. And we have this now. Let's, I'm glad. So that's that's the bird walk back to the beginning of the conversation. When the current leader, Netanyahu's favorability, was under 30%. And, and there was this airstrike, five-day airstrike that happened in the end of April, 1st of May. And then when that happened, his favorable ratings in the polls went up. And I just wonder, just wonder if we've been hoodwinked and bamboozled at the at the expense of human casualty. I mean, I just remember the Afghan war, the longest war that the United States was in. And when President Biden became president, the first thing he did was pull out of Afghanistan. We didn't have to be there. Now we got this whole um, I, I, I know I hope. We're not going to engage in this. Um, and I think that there are those who wish that we would, but it's not necessary. And so as a commander in chief, I pray to God that our commander in chief stands down. And I'm glad that it is he, him 
who is in office, had it gone the other way, we would be engaged in business that's not ours to be in. He intentionally did not engage in the Russia-Ukraine uh, war. And neither did Obama, really, because Russia invaded Crimea, which was annexed and annexed peninsula of the Ukraine. And Obama just stood back. And so I'm just so grateful. You can read the tea leaves or whatever you want to say. That, that we are engaged in a level of diplomacy that's not wrapped, wrapped up in hyperbole or machismo or there's a just war theory here. Go ahead, Dr. Hayes. Well, this is what I see. I see those who are struggling for power seeing an opportunity to shift the focus away from them, to create a situation that brings all of the people of America together. That's that's the whole premise. If we could bring the country together around a common goal, which is to defeat these terrorists, then we can shift the focus away from our, our, our efforts to gain authority over the country. And we'll slip in unnoticed. <laughs> and we'll look up one day and, and say, look who's in charge. It's, a, it's an old playbook, Dr. Cooper. Mm-hmm. It's nothing new under the sun. And all you need to do is sit back and watch it happen because that's what's happening. And so it goes, Dr. Hayes. Well, <laughs> that's all I got. Today. We pray for a better day, Dr. Cooper. I don't want to leave on a negative note. We pray and for a better day. If this is truly the age of revelation, then we are recognize the pattern of behavior and do what needs to be done to correct the course because we know where this is headed. And that's the great and that's the great sociological imagination where our history and our biography intersect. Where are we in this moment of time to help share the story? Um, Are we just sitting idly by or are we in the game to affect a positive change? So thank you, Dr. Hayes. It has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to have you join in with us today. Remember that everything will be all right until we meet again. Stay safe and well.